Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast, recording on St. Patrick's Day here. Hopefully everybody has a fun and safe weekend out there. I don't know if you do, do you drink green beer, uh, eat like green foods, I don't know. We're pretty much just doing normal shit over here, but it's going to be fun. Uh, looking into some some stuff that, you know, it's been talked about lately quite a bit, but I found some new information. And as promised, I wanted to share some information that I found about a Joe Fromage, who's an interesting character uh, affiliated with, you know, like the startup of um, Wikipedia, loosely affiliated, basically affiliated through somebody that he worked with and some other kind of high rolling societies out there, uh, you know, connected to the United Nations. I always am skeptical of anyone affiliated with them. And uh, I'm going to save that towards the end because I wanted to talk about smart cities a little bit here. These are really growing in popularity. I think that they need more attention, uh, you know, from the people like us that are kind of skeptical of this kind of shit because it's kind of painted as a utopia. And I found several different examples of smart cities that are both being planned and ones that are also in practice right now. The main one being this one called Mazdar. And uh, it is in the United Arab Emirates. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go through their sites. I'm going to kind of talk about like my thoughts on some of it. There's some other side projects that I think merit more attention. And it's really becoming a major, major sector of the economy. Um, you know, we're having, we're seeing right in front of our eyes right now. The breakdown of our society here, really in the United States, all over the world, but in the United States, you're seeing train derailments almost every day. You're seeing our infrastructure literally crumble before our eyes. So with that change, I think is going to come a lot of uh, of these new things here. You're seeing the line, that Saudi Arabian line city that's like 200 kilometers uh, this is expected to be in place by 2030, right in time for that Agenda 2030 stuff that everyone should know about at this point. Uh, just, just weird, weird shit. I don't think this is going to get as much participation as they think. I think that eventually people might be forced into these cities. I'm not saying this to be like, you know, fear porn pushy or anything like that. It just seems to be that these aren't going to go as planned by, you know, the crown prince and everyone backing them. You know, when Saudi Arabia gets involved with this shit, I get skeptical. I think that it's a it's an incredibly powerful country and the the elite of that country I think have a lot more power than even we kind of think. I know that everything there's very futuristic already in Dubai, but um 
just seeing some of the levels of this stuff is very, very interesting. So, you know, I like to do some housekeeping up front here. I like to start every episode by thanking the Patreon subscribers. Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast. $3 will get you all the episodes. You don't have to hear any ads whatsoever. Uh, it's all just about the show and the content. And, I mean, 3 bucks. it's literally nothing. You will not miss that $3. You'll get a ton of content. And I like to do bonus content for the $5 and $10 tiers. I never encourage anyone to to hop on those. Just getting on that low level is something that I think you should do with all these shows that you like. So um, not only mine, but shows that you like out there that uh, need support because we are trying to combat all the crazy shit that's being pushed on us by mainstream media. I just did that episode where a lot of media that even considers themselves alternative seems to be kind of infiltrated and really owned by companies that don't have your best interest in mind at all. So I mentioned them Clear Channel, affiliated with Blackwater, weird stuff, and you you really don't know where to expect this shit. You know, all these different companies and all these different agencies running, uh, you know, quote-unquote independent thought, Tucker Carlson, uh, all these things that that push good information that you want to hear, it's tough to know really where they're coming from. So if you find somebody that you trust and if you like their work, support it because that's how it stays around. So I'll get off my soapbox there. Dangerousworldpodcast.com is where you can find all the merch. And I really enjoy making this merch, man. I've been finding, um, I got this new program where I'm tweaking some shit, having a ton of fun making some designs. Just came out with that garbage pail kid shirt, the Illuminasty. And by the way, not to plug the Patreon more, but if you are on that $10 tier, I do a, uh, it's a new thing that I'm doing, a a 20% discount at least. I might change that from month to month. One month it may be 30, one month it could go up to 40. It's about the highest I can go because then I'm not profiting even any pennies from that. But uh, you'll get a a promo code at that $10 level where you get 20% off at least every single month. So it's just another way for me to say thanks for supporting my show. And the hard work over here. There's a lot of research that goes into these episodes. And um, essentially a one-man one team here. Get a little help from Kim every once in a while. But, you know, that's far, few and far between. But anyway, let's uh, let's get into this shit here. You will be hearing an ad break shortly. And, um, again, you won't have to hear that if you're on the Patreon. So, with that shit being said there, I looked at this article on ZDNet.com talking about you know, some, some interesting stuff when it comes to the line and the line is part of this neom project, just like neon, but M at the end, N E O M. And, uh, M is in Mansi, as I like to say, right? Neon project. And, uh, this is a, it's based off of a Greek word new, uh, and then the Arabic word for future, uh, I guess kind of a meshing of these words neon. And I just think that that's, it's strange. It's like a new future, right? And they like to to really hide what they're doing in plain sight. This is the future. The these things are already in place, and they've been pushing this very steadily. Um, but I think that they're going to start ramping this up as we see more crisis going down or crises. Is that the the plural? You're going to see this go down a lot more. You're going to see um, the the shift to this smart city technology. And that's why I'm fitting in this internet stuff, because I think a big question of this is who controls the internet? All this stuff is connected to the internet. And 
I think that it's in our best interest to at least question where the power in this digital age is going to be. And I think that you know the answer, but I will confirm some uh, suspicions that I had and uh, we'll theorize a little bit here towards the end. Let me take a sip of water here because I am recording this, like I said, early St. Patrick's Day. I want to be drinking beer right now, but I think it's a little early even for me. But uh, nonetheless, getting into this stuff, part of this 2030 vision, as I mentioned, and they say in their own words, the, the objective is to create a living laboratory complete with hyper automation, creative entrepreneurship and sustainable initiatives for a total estimated cost of $500 billion. This is just one city. Okay. I read, and I don't know how true this is, that there are to be between 20, I'm sorry, two and 4,000 smart cities in Saudi Arabia alone. I don't know where those numbers come from. I don't see how that's possible, especially if you have something like the line, which sounds like it's going to take, I mean, two, two, uh, what was it? 200 kilometers, right? So that's about a hundred miles, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, my kilometer to mile calibration may be off there a little bit, but it's about about uh, twice the amount of, of uh, miles, right? So, or half the amount of miles, rather. I think that that, I mean, I don't see how 2,000 cities fit in here, but I mentioned the 15-minute cities. A lot of these are five-minute cities. Inside the line, you're going to have these different cities within that where you won't have to walk more than five minutes to get to whatever you're trying to do, whether it be a doctor's visit, work. A lot of people will work from home. Um, And I think that the gig economy actually fits into this. And I kind of wanted to mention that because I've been working in the gig economy as like a side thing since I have quit my formal job and I'm doing this. The gig economy, it's incredibly weird to me, even though, you know, I embrace it for right now because it definitely helps Instacart, DoorDash, things like that. Uh, it's meant to be a side hustle. You can turn it into something where you can get some extra money. And that is, I mean, it's, it's been a lifesaver lately. I've been doing it pretty much every day, actually going to do it this evening. And, uh, it sucks because it's busy in the evening here in my little city of Tucson. And, um, you know, I, I, I do have to miss out on some, you know, recording opportunities that I like to do with friends, like, you know, ghost of my third eye and things like that. I have to miss out on these lately because I need to go and, and, take these gigs as they present themselves. And I think that this is going to be a massive thing in the, in, and it fits right in with this vision for 2030. Just weird. We're seeing the entire structure of the economy change. And uh, when I actually heard that term gig economy, I thought that it meant like gigawatts, gigabytes, uh, gigahertz, right? Which refers to a billion. And um, I, I still kind of lean towards the idea that it is a play on words, right? Like you have the gig, you have the job, but you're also just uh, literally a number in this system. If you don't want to do that job, there's literally a billion other people that will do it. And I think that this is going to move into job, independent jobs, cyber security jobs, and uh, cyber jobs as a whole, digital jobs, not just delivery. Right now, it's starting with very physical, tangible goods, but I think it could be services. It could be all kinds of things. There's things, um, different apps where you can go, If you're an independent contractor and instead of working independently through like the traditional means, you sign up through an app, you take a portion of the, uh, you know, I I would imagine it'd be a a great portion 
of the work, but then a fee goes to the company that connected you two together. That's a huge future right there. And if you can't see that, I mean, you know, obviously it's it's probably a new thing that I'm sort of presenting here, but once you look into it, like the tiniest bit, you can see that it is the future. As stupid as it seems and as inefficient as it is right now, this is going to be a, a massive part of these, uh, you know, smart cities and shit, all internet-based. So who's going to be powerful in those situations? Not lawyers, technocrats, people that are familiar with how this shit works. So um, continuing on here with this, uh, this article was saying that the line will be organized in three layers, and there's actually some pretty cool images that I'll share with you. At the top, you have the people living. Uh, this is like the pedestrian layer of this uh, line cake, if you will. People are at the top arranged in community modules of about 80,000 citizens. So you have 80,000 people living in within a five-minute radius. Um, residents will never be more than five minute uh, a five-minute walk away from anything that they need, including schools, medical clinics, and leisure facilities. Underneath that top layer... You have an invisible layer of services dedicated to last mile logistics. Um, so basically your service industry, I don't know if it's necessarily restaurants, but like think manufacturing, all the goods that need to be created or as they say here, logistics, things coming in probably by drone or by train or whatever. Um, and then all this shit is kind of shuffled through in this middle layer here um, and then sent up to the top. It seems, I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Snowpiercer, right? That's what this seems like, where you've got like, instead of in the back of the train where you got all your poor people, you got all your all your people on top. Um, I, the elites, I don't think, are going to be living in these cities. You'll have all your, your everyday common people on the top, and then underneath that are the workers. So people have different roles depending on what they are at the time. Are you a citizen between these hours of the day? Well, then you're on top. Are you a slave at, at this certain time of the day? Well, then you're going to that middle layer and you're preparing stuff for your fellow slaves who aren't clocked in as slaves right now. They, uh, you know, they make this seem like it, it, it seems like a LARPing experiment to me. And again, they, they admit this is a living laboratory um, with with hyper automation, as I mentioned. Right. Uh, continuing here underneath that layer. The very bottom layer is an invisible, oh, yeah, the uh, invisible layer of services. And then under that is the, quote, spine. They like to call it the spine. Um, basically containing the trans transportation system that will connect the communities at high speed. Uh, going from one end of the line to the other promises Neom's team. And this will take no, no more than 20 minutes going uh, 200 kilometers. So... Pretty quick speeds here. I don't know exactly uh, calculating that in my head is just not going to happen right now. But yeah, 20 minutes to travel basically 100 miles or so, right? Wild. Um, this this seems like that magnet technology that, uh, what's his name, was trying to create. And weren't they calling that the line too? The Elon Musk transportation system? I thought that that was called a line as well. But it seems like the Saudis kind of hijacked that term and they're making it a city. And it's a utopian city at that. So, um it's still continuing with this article and I'm not reading the whole thing. I will share the whole thing with you. I just kind of took out like the points that I thought were key in this whole smart city development. And I like these side projects looking into them. I don't, I don't think that they're good, but I like the, uh, I like the information here for sure. So continuing here, underpinning the line 
uh, and key to the city delivering on its promises is an aggressive use of technology. Aggressive use of technology. You got to love when they throw these words out there like that, right? The city will have its own operating system called NEOs, um, which will bring together various data points to run services as efficiently as possible. IoT devices will be sprinkled liberally across the communities to smarten up buildings and save energy. Again, everything's connected to the internet. This is the internet of things here. AI systems will balance the electricity grid to make sure that no power is wasted. Data analytics will be used to monitor the condition of various assets across the city, each of which will be assigned a health indicator to predict maintenance requirements with over a month's anticipation. Interesting stuff. I mean, a pretty pretty basic level, but at the same time, uh, and again, we've heard this stuff, but at the same time, I think that they make these things sound so utopian. It sounds so positive. When everything is monitored, including like the health and the integrity of people and walls and cars, I mean, you're not going to have cars, but transportation rather, it just spells disaster out for me. It seems it seems like this is just not feasible. Five hundred billion dollars seems like a low number for all of this stuff. Um, there's already companies in place contracted to do and maintain the internet here. I think AT and T will play a big role in this. Five um, G. They talk about five G, and uh, you know Verizon. I think are still on the cutting edge of the 5G stuff, but for some reason, AT&T seems to be very tied in with uh, with all these high-level agendas here, so I think that, that they'll be the ones that are maintaining this shit. Um, so, continuing here, where smart cities currently make uh, use of about 1% of available data, NEOs will be injected with 90% of the community's information, says Joseph Bradley, and this is, you know, we're about to start getting into some weird stuff here. Joseph Bradley, head of technology and digital at Neom. And it doesn't stop at smart meters and football uh, footfall metrics, sorry. Uh, the project, it turns out, also includes swaths of citizen data. So th- this is why there's this massive data collection right now and why they tell us that data is more important than gold, right? Data is the future. Data is currency to these people. And it's because if you can gather all this information... of many more points of data is very valuable, right? As I, as they mentioned here, NEOs will be injected with 90% of communities information where they're using 1% right now. Like you see how, how when you, when you are searching something on your phone or your phone, hears a keyword, you'll get an ad for that item. That's making, that's not even 1% because you're probably not living in a smart city right now. Smart cities are only making one use of 1% of available data. What are, what are, you know, I live in a, a rural area. What is my technology that I have, my computer, my tablet, my phone, my TV, all these things. There's two laptops in this house, two phones. Uh, at one point, there was three phones, two phones, a tablet. All these things are listening, and they're all kind of pointing out, uh, you know, pointing people in the direction of what they think that they need. That's not even 1%. When you have 90% of your data being used to quote unquote help you, I mean, they're literally going to be able to read your mind. And they say, the title of this article is um, a city that knows your every move, right? Um, 
I don't know. It, it, it seems, again, it seems like uh, just a total dystopian thing. They present it as a beautiful idea, but it reminds me of Logan's Run. A great movie. You know, I, I've watched this the other day again, kind of in preparation for this and kind of just because it's so, I think, prov- uh, not provocative, prof- profound is the word I'm looking for. Really, really interesting the way that they do this. And I think that it could be possible that in the near future, people are killed at a certain age, just like in that movie. I think that their age is 34 they can get to, uh, maybe 32 or something. It's right around 33. It's not quite there, but I don't know. I I think that that there's a lot of truth and a lot of predictive programming in a lot of these science fiction dystopian movies here. But this next part that I wanted to go through, it sounds like you're selling your soul when you step into these cities, quite literally. Um, Before we do that, I will get into this ad break here. And uh, again, if you don't like hearing the ads, easiest way to get around that is patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast, three bucks. I appreciate it. But uh, we'll roll into this ad break and then we'll uh, we'll get back into this selling your soul concept that I think is uh, directly related to the line and to Neom here. Okay, so getting back to the uh, idea of this uh, very Faustian bargain, it seems. Uh, Bradley says, the guy that I mentioned up there, Joseph Bradley, again, the head of technology at Digital at Neom. Um, if you come to Neom, clearly you want to participate in a highly digital experience. If you're comfortable with that, we want to say, or they ask, do you want to be able to fully experience Neom? If yes, then go for it, right? You're coming here because you want a digital experience, highly digital. Do you want it to be fully digital? Because that's when you get into this whole thing. I believe that you would need some sort of chip installed in you so that everything works seamless. And then you get this full, uh, you know, full connective experience here. And again, they have to ask you and they're not going to say, hey, will you sell your soul here? To be part of the system, will you take the mark? No. What they're doing is they say, do you want the full experience? You're spending your money by being here for free. We can give you the full experience. You just need to say yes. To me, that seems incredibly nefarious. It seems insidious. It seems sneaky that they're going about it in this way. So it it, it really raised a red flag when I saw that line. Do you want to be able to fully experience Neom? If yes, then go for it. Fuck that, man. I'm staying out of that shit. Um, Describing the possibility of a hyper-connective, supposed cognitive city, a thinking city, a smart city, Bradley paints a picture of what full participation in Neom could mean. The line will effectively know its residents better than they know themselves. From the movement that, that, from the, I'm sorry, the moment that they step off the plane, Neos will predict their next move and act accordingly. Neom will be proactive, says Bradley. It can take action, and ultimately, it's personalized. Everybody has a personalized experience. And one thing that Google has already done is they created Sidewalk Labs. And I want to get into this a little bit. I'm going to fuck around on their site. Because Sidewalk Labs is incredibly interesting. When you go to their website, SidewalkLabs.com, if you want to check this out yourself, you see right up top, it's part of Google. You get your uh, your basic logo of just, you know, three. I like looking at logos and kind of trying to analyze them. This one, it's just literally the, um, think of the Biden E, right? 
but it's uh it's a box it's a square so uh, you know weird i know that there was people saying that that biden e the three lines without the the one vertical one connecting them people were saying that meant all kinds of shit in chinese and it was like 666 i mean who knows exactly what it means and the way that they're using it but there's definitely some meaning to it because you see it a lot you see it over and over again um we can look at their products here because actually if you scroll to the bottom um or actually throughout the entire page, really, you see that they have about three products, it sounds like. Uh, Delve, Mesa, and Pebble, okay? So it doesn't sound too crazy, but let's look at their story a little bit here um, because it's relatively short. Sorry, getting a call, some spam it looks like. Um, a lot of interesting images here. I mean, I, it's funny when you look at some of these and they look like they could be real, and it, you, they got a little picture of Bob Marley here, which is interesting, just to really make it cool, you know? They don't make it look like it's as congested as as they say. I mean, this actually looks really nice, the way that they do it. But that's not, I mean, it's not possible to fit 80,000 people into a five-minute area, unless you're going to have high-rises. These buildings that they're showing here are six stories tall, it looks like. Uh, just to kind of at a quick glance there. There's no skyscrapers, there's no... Uh, and these are composites, you can tell. Um, well done composites. They look they look very realistic, but this is fantasy shit. It's insane. But yeah, the founder, Dan Doktoroff, in 2015, we launched Sidewalk Labs within Google before we joined the Alphabet group with, uh, of companies. Uh, I've mentioned this before. I think when they refer to the Alphabet group, it is obviously Google. That's what they call themselves now. But us conspiracy theorists, we call the alphabet people like the NSA, the FBI, the CIA, because they're just letters, right? Uh, the DEA, uh, DOJ, all these things. It's proven that Google is connected to the government. I think that all of their work is perpetuated by the government. And that becomes extra clear when I get into the internet and really who owns that and all these things. There's some allegations that I will uh, make and I'll make it clear when I'm alleging something. Um, but then there's also some proof out there for, for some of this shit that I'm going to get into. Um, this damn doctor off says, I couldn't be more proud of what sidewalk labs has achieved. Well, I mean, what have they achieved? They haven't done shit. We brought together a unique and remarkably talented group of urbanists and technologists, and we built a diverse and inclusive culture. It sounds so good. Again, we learn to work together across boundaries and create a bold and unprecedented vision for cities to use technology thoughtfully in pursuit of radically improving quality for all life. Improving quality of life by their standards, not by yours, okay? Uh, now, their story is uh, super short here because it seems like a very shallow company. It says, Sidewalk Labs, like any startup, has evolved, but we're never straight, we've never strayed from our core mission. To bring together urbanists and technologists to solve real-world challenges that can radically improve quality of life for all cities. We know that a sustainable future is non-negotiable. You're part of the system whether you want it or not. I mean, that sounds like a fucking threat. Um, but it has to be built by building by building. Uh, building by building. Block by block and city by city. Now combining our forward-thinking urban design capabilities and insights with Google Global Research and technological strength, we're prepared to go further and faster than ever. Well, again, sounds like a fucking threat to me. But let's look into their three products here quickly, and then we can move on to some of these other key parts 
of all these smart cities here. I'll get into Mazdar a little bit. And then uh, Catalyst, which is a fun one. Not our buddy over there at the White Rabbit Podcast, but this thing that they created called Catalyst. Um, ooh, there's a video here. I wonder if... Let's see how long it is really quick. Because if it's... Oh, it's only a minute. Well, shit. Yeah, let's watch this. I will go... I'm going to uh, get this on my phone. Um, so bear with me here. Okay, so I've got it up on my phone so we can listen to the video. And uh, the first product here, Delve, I'm going to play a minute-long video again. It basically empowers real estate teams to design better, faster, and with less risk. So uh, you can sign in if you want to be involved with Delve. But let's uh, let's see what they got here. And hopefully it's uh, it's got some words for us to listen to. Here we go. Delve is a product for development teams that generates hundreds of designs in minutes. Every single design option integrates a financial model customized to you. That means you can see how different designs, building massings, program mixes, or unit sizes will impact returns, enabling you to meaningfully weigh the financial impact of each design from the start. This feature has saved our customers significant amounts of time and carry costs. Let's delve deeper into a design generated by huh. Delve. Here, the developer was looking for a diverse yet profitable program mix. And you can see what Delve has recommended in terms of the number of residential, commercial, retail, and community spaces. Delve can also visualize other details of the site, such as the apartment type breakdown. Delve can perform sophisticated parking analyses. It can show the site's projected greenhouse gas emissions, too. That's important. Request access now at sidewalklabs.com slash delve. So pretty uh, cutting edge shit there, it sounds like. And again, this is powered by Google. So, uh, you know, they're going to have top of the line everything. Um, and you see what she did there. It was very clever. They said, let's delve into it. I wonder how they're going to incorporate Mesa with their puns here. We've got another video. This seems uh, relatively short. But what Mesa is, their second product, it automates building controls with a suite of smart devices and a powerful optimization engine to deliver savings and comfort for commercial real estate owners and tenants. This seems to be clearly focused on real estate, right? The whole idea of Sidewalk Labs. But they're influential in the construction and the layouts of all these smart cities. You knew Google was going to get their fingers into it somehow. So let's uh, hear their cringy video about what Mesa is here. You'd think that in the 2020s, buildings would be smarter. Buildings should turn down the AC when people are cold, turn off appliances that no one is using, and let in fresh air when we need it. Energy-efficient buildings would be better for the planet, for people, and for buildings' bottom lines. But building upgrades are expensive and complicated. There's never been an affordable, simple solution for making office buildings greener and smarter. Until now. Introducing Mesa by Sidewalk Labs. Mesa is an easy install kit for commercial buildings that cuts energy costs, improves tenant comfort, and simplifies building operations. Think of Mesa as a greener, smarter building in a box. 
No expensive equipment or high-touch installation required. Mm. So how does Mesa work? Yeah. It starts with a quick, user-friendly installation process. Every Mesa kit comes with clearly labeled and commissioned devices and an installation guide customized for your office space, your floor, or your whole building. It's truly plug and play. Once installed, Mesa's sensor suite starts collecting information about your office environment in a privacy-preserving way. That's when Mesa's... These things literally look like in the episode of Black Mirror with John Hamm. They absolutely look like that. There's a small device that you set like right in front of you. And then there's things that you plug into your walls. And it just it, it shows here in the video. Once you plug it in like a, a ripple effect wave going throughout the entire walls, sensing how hot everything is, how cool it is, what you need as far as like airflow. It's weird, man. This is just collecting data, trying to make your house um do exactly what you need and everything uh nothing that you don't need and it's going to decide what you need and you're going to agree with it it sounds like so uh weird stuff let's continue though i don't know if we're going to get through this whole thing or not it's only got two minutes left but let's see where gets to work optimizing your building by taking actions like managing heating and cooling turning off unused power outlets or sending timely maintenance warnings Building managers can not only remotely see what Mesa is optimizing and how much they're saving, they can operate the devices through a simple dashboard they can access anywhere. And Mesa will help building managers comply with ever-changing energy regulations, too. You In must comply. Words, Mesa instantly makes building managers' lives easier. And Mesa keeps tenants happy, too. Mesa's user-friendly app lets tenants report whether their office spaces are too hot, too cold, or just right. So Mesa can adjust the temperature accordingly. And tenants can see their own impact on their office's carbon footprint. <laughs> That's why Heinz, one of the largest real estate developers in the world, is using Mesa. Mm. Yeah. Mesa isn't just a greener, smarter building in a Okay, now they're going to stroke their egos. Yeah, you know, it's funny. What if, uh, you know, you're in an office space and you're cold and everyone else is hot? Uh, I tend to run a little hot. So, you know, what what then? I mean, are, are they going to, are they going to, you know, that fucking vent that's right above you? Are they going to turn that up? I mean, how, how deep does this go? It just seems kind of like, uh, again, it seems like just kind of too good to be true bullshit. I'm not doubting that this is possible, but uh, just seems seems a little out there. Now, let's go through their last product here, Pebble. Um, <laughs> mobility solutions for parking lots and curbs. As of January 2022, Cord is now part of Pebble. Pebble empowers cities. Oh, good. Yeah, cities need to be empowered. Real estate developers and campuses to combine real-time data with powerful mobility solutions to solve parking and mobility problems. Now, if cars are gone... You wonder what we're going to be parking, right? Is this for bikes? I mean, they don't even want us having cars. So this seems already kind of like, uh, you know, shot in the dark by Google here. If you're looking to sign up uh, your fleet for smart loading zones. Oh, okay. So this is actually probably more so for like trucks, right? Um, yeah, if you uh, loading zones in Philadelphia or just want to learn more about our pilot in Philly, 
check out our Philadelphia Pilot homepage. We might do that, but there is no video for this product here. Um, it's interesting, though, the, the way that this looks. This actually seems like it could be efficient. I'm not going to lie. Uh, out of all these, but yeah, you have like your smart zones. Uh, they're obviously going to be using geofencing, which if you're not familiar with that, it's a really interesting concept used pretty much for sales right now, but I think that it could be very much used in the future to keep people in specific zones. But we actually used to use it when I worked for my uh, former employer. That was a, it's a major, major company, one of the world's biggest companies out there in the consumer goods sector. And uh, most of you probably know, but for the ones that don't, I'm going to keep it a secret. Uh, you know, the geofencing thing was interesting because it's they give us a company phone. And when we're going to a certain store, uh, once we're clocked in, right when we pull into the parking lot or sometimes in some cases walk into the store, it would light up green and we could scan into that store and say, like, I have arrived at this store and then it tracks how long you're there. Uh, you have a certain amount of time that you're supposed to be there and your your idea is to beat that time, right? So it's not only to track people to make sure that they are, in fact, clocking in at their job um, and, and following a schedule. It's to also collect data on how long should this store take, right? So all that stuff is going to some, you know, authoritative source where it's able to dictate exactly what, you know, what how long this job takes at this particular store. They use it in malls. Once you walk into, like, let's just say a JCPenney. I don't even know if there's fucking still in business, but JCPenney, okay? Uh, once you walk into that store and you have your phone, you'll be sent coupons. You say coupon or coupon? Coupons is how I say it. Uh, you'll be sent coupons for JCPenney specifically because you walked in and now at this moment in time, coupons for JCPenney or deals, right, are um, more relevant to you than they would be if you weren't inside that store, right? So it's it's an interesting concept, geofencing is, but uh, definitely going to be used, I think, in the near future to keep people in specific zones. This stuff really got popularized under COVID, and before we used that geofencing, we used barcodes, where we would use our phone to scan a barcode that was like hidden in each store, and... Um, some people, since they had two phones, would take a picture of that barcode and then clock in, you know, 30 minutes before they got to the store by scanning that barcode picture on their phone rather than going and scanning the actual barcode. So this is just more high-tech surveillance, and it's basically tested out in the work sector with willing jobs like this massive company that I worked for, who's obviously willing to cooperate with the government's agenda. They were always asking us about you know, how much uh, greenhouse gases are we adding because are we carpooling? Are we taking buses? Uh, how far do we drive? All this shit. They're constantly collecting data for this stuff. And it may be a tired subject for a lot of people out there, but I don't think that this could be more relevant. Um, so yeah, there's three steps to this. I'm not going to read through them, but you have your, your low-cost vehicle sensor, your digital curb inventory tool, and then smart tools. Uh, that one, it, it does seem like um, the most helpful, I guess. But at the same time, I think a lot of this shit is very, very, uh, very much about just control, obviously, right? So with that being said, what's the next thing that I wanted to get into here? Um, I will say, you know, the last couple points of this great article on this uh, ZDNet 
They were saying that citizens are encouraged to share their data. Of course they are. You have to opt into the system. They're encouraged to share their data. And in, in exchange, they can expect to benefit from a high-value, responsive, ultra-personalized urban environment. A utopia, again, right? Real Logan's Run vibes here. Um, I don't know. Do you think that this should be an option for people? All right? Do, do you think that we should even allow this at all? Because um, I tend to feel that this is a slippery slope. I, I honestly feel... As I mentioned, that not as many people as like the crown prince expects or, you know, the World Economic Forum, whoever is in charge of this whole agenda. um, I don't think that as many people will opt into this system, especially after learning about the risks. And, you know, right now, the, the digital infrastructure that we have fails all the time. How many times you go to a store and try to pay with your debit card because they've encouraged us to not carry cash. And I will admit, I use my debit card for everything, right? Uh, probably not a good idea, especially knowing what I know about Yodly and these companies that literally track everything that you spend your money on. And it can and will be used against you when your social credit score is created. When I drove a V8 truck, I was spending so much money on gas. That's going to be some karma that I'm going to have to pay in this system because of all the gas and how much I fucked up the world myself by driving this car, right? This truck that uh, was a gas guzzler, I'm not going to lie. I wish that I'd never had gotten that, but, you know, I loved that thing. It was, a, it was a Titan. I loved it. I drive a little Ford Escape now, much more efficient on gas. I'm a good citizen by doing that, right? And my social credit score will go up, but, you know, trucks are just a shit, man. You got to, man's got to have a truck, okay? Uh, so, yeah, fuck all that stuff. And I, I don't like these electric cars, man. They look goofy. I, I really don't like Teslas. Um, maybe that's just me being an old fashioned piece of shit, but I tend to believe that there's no future in them. The the infrastructure around that's starting to crumble too. So anyway, um, imagine the people that do opt into this city. I kind of feel that they're going to be like the ones that the world economic forum doesn't want there. They're going to be the ones that they tried to kill with the vaccines. These are these people going there, these liberals that, when something shitty happens in their day, they're not really able to function right, right? They're not, they're going to be like these entitled people that out virtue each other. They're going to be so, I mean, there's going to be so much tolerance in these cities that nothing's going to get done. And then I think that, that there, there inevitably will be some sort of crisis that they manufactured and they'll usher people in, whether they make it so that we can't physically pay the bills, uh, you know, our utilities and our mortgages and whatnot. Uh, and we have to give up our rural homes and our suburban homes and move into these smart cities at very low cost. They're incentivizing these the costs of moving into these. I mentioned the one in Oxfordshire. And I actually talked with um, the Reality SARS guys yesterday, Thomas and Nate. I didn't uh, talk with their third host there, but we talked about a lot of this stuff, and they are incentivizing this. It's it's like a quarter of the price, as it normally should be, to opt into these systems. And so I, I feel that it's definitely something that once we aren't able to pay our bills and have a quality of life outside of these smart cities, we'll be ushered in. Um, and and that that's scary to me, right? I don't know when this is going to happen. I'm not going to be that asshole that gives a timeline and is just completely wrong about it. But I see this happening. I don't think that it's that crazy. We've only seen the beginning of this whole Build Back Better agenda 
that they are hell-bent on pushing through. And it's not just the U.S. government. It's in lockstep with all these other countries around the world. Paris really leading, or France, I should say, really leading uh, along with, you know, China and some of these other more, uh, you know, dystopian type empires right now. But yeah, let's get into um, what this is all based off of. The first one that you see here is a thing called Mastar City. And I mentioned that at the beginning. Mastar City, I actually downloaded a PDF of the master plan of the city. And it's pretty detailed. It's short, but it's pretty detailed. Um, you've got like residential complexes. You've got a visitor center. Um and this is, I guess this is all built already. It, it, sometimes it's kind of tough to know because they speak about it in like hypotheticals and then they have uh, like definitive things like you can visit, the parking lot is right here, you know, you can park in this area if you're just coming and checking it out, you can book a stay, all this kind of stuff. Um, I actually have the tab pulled up, plan your visit. It would be interesting to see this stuff, right? It would be interesting to check it out just to kind of know what's going on. You got to love their logo. It looks like an octopus twirled around in like a very hypnotizing fashion. So that's always fun. But uh, let's go to their main page here real quick. Um, this is in, I believe, Dubai. They got the .ae uh, you know, tag to their domain, whatever you call that. Basically, instead of .com, .ae. The green, a green print for sustainable urban development. This started in 2008, and they embarked, on, in their words, embarked on a journey to develop one of the world's most sustainable cities. Sustainable being the key word here constantly, right? Mastar City is a pioneer in sustainability and the hub for research and development, spearheading the innovations to really realize greener, more sustainable urban living. The city is home to rapidly growing clean tech cluster, uh, business-free zones and residential neighborhood and restaurants, shops, and public green spaces. Um, I have a really detailed map here. It looks like there's a massive solar farm uh, towards the right of the city. There's no compass, so I would say directions, but it doesn't have that. Yeah, solar farm, uh, actual farms, uh, kind of perimeters. Uh, the perimeter of the city is. It looks like those. These are the work sectors, and in the interior is a lot of the living space, um, neighborhoods, the corporate offices, like I said, around the outside. Retail outlets are kind of scattered around the entire uh, premises, I guess. And then so are cafes and restaurants. So it looks very futuristic. I'm not going to lie. It looks like a like a they paint these pictures very positively. And um, so it, look, it looks like a utopia the way that they that they present it. But I would say you can't be fooled by these kinds of things. It is something that is in existence, again, uh, since 2008. Started under the Obama administration, I guess, right? Uh, no, I guess he came in in 2009. So, yeah, at the end of the Bush administration. Uh, interesting stuff. What's happening in Mastar City? You can get, like, their newsletter if you want. Uh, I don't know, man. This is just... Should we call them? I get in trouble when I call these things sometimes. I'm not going to call them. But, uh, yeah, it, it's... Definitely a strange looking place. Um, you got augmented reality. You can check this out. I want to kind of see. I wonder if there is. Ah, oh, this is an, all in Arabic. Believe it or not, I cannot read Arabic. So we'll, we'll go back. But yeah, no, interesting stuff. They they created this thing called Catalyst with um, 
BP, which you got to love BP. They're really, really good people over there. They care about the world a lot. They fucked up so bad, and now they're doing shit to try to make themselves seem like they're really leading the charge to a greener future. And, I mean, they had that wild spill a while back, right? So it's just like, come on. You guys have no authority when it comes to this whole topic. But the catalyst is, this is a, a quick description of it. Uh, Mazdar City partnered with BP Oil Giant to create the catalyst. This startup will support new and innovative companies, which are one to three years away from commercialization of their products. So January 2020, when COVID really started, right? Obviously, a couple months after this, the catalyst added three new companies, which they were supporting through multiple facets. These include training and mentorship, as well as funding. The Catalyst aims to attract companies focusing on green technology, and they accept applications uh, from local and international businesses and entrepreneurs. Let's see what these frauds are doing here. They've got, it looks like, eight or so partners right now. Um, Some of these startups. Yeah, so you can see their startups here. You've got... Uh, Hydro Art Pod, a clever all-in-one indoor home garden with smart functions. That seems kind of cool, but of course, this is all connected to Bluetooth, and it's all connected to... I mean, it's the, the least organic way that you can grow shit, right? Hydro, Hydro Art Pod. Um, Circa Biotech is upcycling food waste into high-quality animal feed components using insect farming. Oh, lovely. Okay. Uh, that's your cricket food right there. Uh, Key Technologies is uh, is uh, their third product, or startup rather. Turnkey solutions for extra long range surveillance systems. Ooh, yes, you gotta have a lot of surveillance. You cannot be a self respecting smart city without high surveillance. Okay, you need to know what everyone's doing constantly, even when they're asleep. Uh, QS Monitor is their fourth startup online platform for optimization of food import licensing and timelines. And these all have websites that you could check out. I, I just encourage people to learn more about this. I think that it's uh, it's interesting to say the least. It's definitely, I mean, these websites are actually kind of cool looking. <laughs> what can you achieve with us with this QS monitor? 60 plus companies in operation. So this is already very much active. 12, uh, 1,200 plus locations. 90% of food trade, 100% chemical-free water treatments, water recycling, and uh, 70% of water saved. 100% water recycling. Okay, so that's obviously a, a good thing when you... I mean, where are these guys with Ohio? Why can't they help out the people in Ohio if this is actually a functioning thing? A lot of these things seem like fucking money laundering operations to me. I'm not saying they are. I'm saying things like this seem like money laundering operations. Um, there's not one thing about Ohio here. Not one thing about Ohio. I'm sure that they could use some water treatment over there. QS assholes. So yeah, that's one. Uh, let's move on to volts. Their fifth volts. Battery storage is home. Smart battery management systems. Ceramic is the next one. Ceramic materials, production of technological ceramics and building materials from industrial waste. That's an interesting concept for sure. Let's see what they're website has here i'm sorry about some of the dead air here just trying to kind of check these out while i'm speaking with you they have a lot of these things have similar logos it's kind of interesting there's a lot of like 
the swirls, right? Like the uh, the hypnotizing swirls. Think about like Time Warner, who actually manages a lot of the internet out there. Um, like their eye, it's like an eyeball with a swirl in it, right? Um, Ceramics logo is kind of like a, um, I don't know, it reminds me of some, some like Kabbalah shit, honestly. But it, it's real similar to the Mazdar City logo, where you have like the eight prongs uh, swirling around each other. And then this one has eight circles. Um, the ceramic has eight circles. I think it's eight. Yeah. No, it's six, six circles that are all swirling around each other, kind of making like a flower. It's weird. You know, when you see these things that are just constant, uh, constantly there, we've got a minute long video from ceramic. Let's check out what they're about here. Um, I will pull them up again. Give me one moment. Okay, so I've got it up here. Let's watch this, uh, or listen to, rather, the Ceramic Materials little minute video. Imagine another world, cleaner and sustainable. A world where people work together to find solutions. A world where nothing is created, nothing is lost. Everything is transformed. By recycling our industrial solid waste, 100% reused into value-added ceramics, leading to affordable and locally made products. A world where we recover, recycle, save, transform, renew, in order to protect Storing up precious energy. The time is now. Okay, so now after watching that video, I get what the uh, logo means. It's the infinity sign just repeated over and over again. And you notice how they always start these videos with imagine a world. And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, uh, we can't really imagine it. That's kind of what you're supposed to do if you're actually helping. Um, and notice also that I played that video and you don't understand any more really about what they do over there at uh, fucking ceramic, right? I forgot the name. It's so, it's so uh, you know, the, the lack of clarity there is is pretty fucking interesting. All these things just kind of seem like they're, they're like vanity projects almost, right? Like they're just trying to show how great they are. And what they're doing to help all of us. Uh, the help that we didn't ask for, by the way. None of us are asking for this shit. They're telling us that we're asking for it. So, yeah, I, I like how, you know, you can try and share a video with a great audience. And then I'm sure that the audience doesn't even fucking understand what they're about. Um, supposedly, they're about cutting down waste. But, again, you have, like, this QS monitor doing similar shit. It, focusing more on like the you know optimization of food imports and then making clean water and water treatment but then they're not putting their shit to use if if you started seeing qs monitor out there helping in ohio i think people would actually give them some props but instead of doing that they're probably focused on like some bullshit in ukraine right or they're not doing anything at all which is kind of what i lean towards fascinating that these people are just here acting like they're going to change the world but the few problems that we have right now I shouldn't even say the few, the massive amount of problems that we have right now, they're not helping. They're letting these problems get worse because the worse these problems get, the more there's a case for these companies' existence, right? 
it's kind of like with healthcare. If they made, if they actually did their jobs and they made everyone healthy, we wouldn't need them. So they, there's a there's a fine balance that they're trying to strike here, which is fucked up. But uh, the seventh and eighth ones here, De, uh, De La Arta is creating a sustainable skincare range using native UAE flora, the seventh startup funded by Catalyst, which is, again, a subsidiary of Mazdar City and BP, okay? So all these, these New World Order fucking companies here are teaming up to help with you. I guess Siemens is also affiliated with this, too. Uh, whoever named that company needs to be fired, but... Uh, Solva Technologies is the last one. E-Logistics with electric motorbike and food delivery. So, I mentioned the gig economy. You're not going to be using cars for this stuff anymore. You will be using a motorbike, as it calls it. Uh, and these aren't cool motorcycles, I'm sure. I'm sure these are like the gay scooters that people drive when they forgot their balls at home. So, I don't know, man. A lot of this stuff is just strange. Um... I want to move into this internet shit because, as I mentioned, a lot of this, everything in this system is controlled and really dictated by the internet. And you may ask yourself, well, who runs the internet? Who controls the internet? I think these are important questions. These are logical questions. When you're figuring out that your future is meant to be digital, if they have everything their way, um, who's going to be the ones that control our living, right? Who who who's in charge here? I did some research on this and this actually was supposed to be the majority of the episode and we're going to get into it pretty deep here. But this concept of the digital universe, I'm going to save them for the end. But the digital universe is incredibly interesting to me. I think this is this is really a sleeper when it comes to What's going on with the internet? And I talked about this, like I said, with the reality czars, guys. They thought it was kind of funny and goofy uh, because you see the, the level of professionality. All right, well, that does it for the free portion. If you want to get into the rest of the episode, patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. You get about 150 other episodes for $3 a month. And then in this one, I continue talking about the connection between ICANN government and this weird little digital universe foundation thing that i came across i'm excited to see what you guys think about it but i hope to see you over there and take care mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.